0: Welcome to Real Living. This is Lavinia Spirito. Uh, Mary Luz has some equipment problems, so I will be flying solo today. I'm going to continue our show on our series of shows on the booklet written by Dr. Ralph Martin on joining the resistance, joining the resistance. Now, what does that mean? We need to resist the stuff. Okay. Anybody raise your hand, not that I can see you, but if you think that everything's fine today. That everything in the world is fine, that society is fine, that our culture is healthy, and that everybody's fine. You know, I think we we can know, even if we're not uh, religious, (laughs) to put it it between air quotes, um, that there is something wrong, right? You know what? And also, it's not necessarily that anything's more wrong now than it's ever been. Like every generation thinks that they have the worst. Oh, it used to be much better, you know in the good old days, but I don't think the good old days ever existed. And I think it's an important point to make. The good old days never existed. The people uh, at the Council of Trent thought that the world was coming to an end because of the Reformation. And the people in the 1700s also thought, oh my gosh, what ha- what is going on today with all the wars and the revolutions and all that stuff? And the people uh, in the year, you know, at the turn of the century of the year 1000, for instance, thought the world literally was going to come to an end because God was going to come after a thousand years. Uh, and the people, what did the people think during the quote unquote dark ages? I mean, did, weren't those bad times? I mean, we know they're called the dark ages, right? Barbarian invasions and warfare and all that stuff. And so I guess what, we, what I want to say is that every time has its problems, every period of history has its challenges and our task is not to be discouraged, not to be discouraged, but to take hope because God is in charge. Okay. God is in charge. And so, at James four, seven, submit yourself, therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So it's important to, to kind of, um, examine ourselves you know like every night it's very fruitful to make a little examination of conscience in what ways have I failed the Lord you know in what ways have I sinned in what ways have I been selfish in what ways have I been self-centered in what ways have I rejected God's law right well it's also good to kind of see what we have done in general have we rebelled have we grieved the Holy Spirit have we broken the commandments have we have willfully that's another way also like People could say, I do I didn't know, but sometimes there's something called a willful blinding. Like I suspect that the church teaches something that I don't want. Therefore, I'm not even going to find out what it is. That's a willful blinding ourselves to the light of conscience. So you, you know, right? I know, and you know, um, what we're talking about, right? So th- basically the solution would be to repent, to submit ourselves to God and his authority in order to put ourselves in the position to be saved and to be led, to be rescued and to be healed. So what's the, what's the principle here? Only when you repent, will you open yourself up to God? Only when you empty yourself of sin and the love of sin and friendship with the world, will the Lord be able to fill you up because he can't fill a vessel that's already full of other things. That makes sense, right? So that, that I think that's important. Once we are back under the authority of God or under his authority for the first time, we will be in a position to take a stand. So how can we do this? How can we resist? How can we resist? So uh, here's some examples. When a temptation comes to mind, um, like I'm going to, I don't know, I'm going to waste time. I'm going to, um, I don't know, indulge in um, in overspending or over drinking or overeating, or I'm going to, uh, stint, uh, my service to the poor by spending money on, on myself, you know, that kind of thing. I'm, or even worse, I'm going to vote for, you know, um, the, the, the murdering of children in the womb, or I'm going to vote, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's many ways in which, uh, we have some choices, right? Specific temptations, right? I, I don't know. For example, let me give you an example. Um, we know that the Lord has specifically said that we are to be for the weakest of the weak, and the weakest of the weak are, of course, the children who are in the womb, who have not had even had a chance to be um, to be born. Perhaps uh, the elderly at the very end stages of their life, when they're quote no young no longer quote unquote useful or productive, when society is making noises about getting rid of them or or perhaps um, diminishing their opportunities. Uh, what about um, um, immigrants? You know, what about how do we treat the people who are not like us? How do we treat the people who we suspect might be taking up our resources? You know, I mean, there's a lot of places where the pedal hits the metal in terms of temptation. How do we have a temptation to underpay our employees? Do we have a temptation to give our employer less than what he is or she is owed? That's another temptation. You know, well, they're underpaying me, so I'm not going to do this or that or the other. Well, that too is is sinful because we have made an agreement and we need to hold up our agreement. Not to mention the scandal it would cause if, uh, if people knew for us to be a Christian, but to know also that we were stinting on our jobs or underpaying our employees or just indulging in unrighteous behavior. So I think it's, it's good to, to know, uh, you know, to recognize temptation when you see it. We need to utilize the warning function of the Holy Spirit and immediately identify it as a wicked thought or suggestion. So don't let it, uh, the example I give usually is don't put these thoughts in your closet and then pull them out and pet them and feed them, even though you might not act on them and then put them back. And then, because every time you pull them back out, they're going to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And they're from a sort of an insignificant little thought, they're going to grow into action. So it's best to head him off at the past, at the past. So immediately identified as a wicked thought or a suggestion or an unclean movement of our unsensual nature with our mind and understanding, which means what? We use our will to reject things that are objectively wrong, right? Of course, we need a good conscience to actually even recognize what is objectively wrong nowadays, right? We then need to reject the temptation wholeheartedly with our will and turn away from the emotions that lead into sin. We can also remember that Paul uh, tells us that the Lord will never allow us to be tempted beyond our strength. That he always is with us. 1 Corinthians 10. So if you are thinking you are standing, watch out that you do not fall. You know what you love, that people think that they're the best, that they're doing fine, and that nobody has to help them, that they're fine, thank you, and I don't need God, thank you, are the first one that we're going to fall probably. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone everybody goes through the same thing god is faithful let's we can repeat that god is faithful and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength but with the testing he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it first corinthians 10 12 okay so but some of you might be saying well but why test us a bit at all why let us go through all that stuff would it be better not to go through suffering and temptations and and trials yes but for some reason humans us humans we like to be comfortable and we like things when they're exactly the way that we want them and we like to be um and we like to have everything the way we absolutely want it not necessarily how somebody else wants it but we want the the way we want things to be the thing the way that we want them to be right and that could bring to self-centeredness and the selfishness, and sometimes the only way the Lord can get our attention is by depriving us of things, or by allowing us to go through trials and temptations and suffering. And sometimes that's the only way that God can get our attention and form us and purify us, so that we can accept Him and we can accept more and more and more and more and more of Him. So it's actually always a good thing if we give our suffering, if we give our trials to the lord. Now the example that Ralph Martin gives in this little booklet is an, is an oppressive cloud hanging over the world these days, partly due to COVID-19 pandemic and partly by the uncertainty, confusion and division now so apparent in our culture and perhaps even in the church. We must I know a lot of people who are kind of confused, and some of them are in despair and And remember, what does the Lord say? Despair and fear are never of the Lord. It doesn't matter what they stem from. Never allow yourself to despair. So the uncertain confusion division now so apparent in our culture, we must not let this evil fog of despair and discouragement seep into our souls. But when we notice it crouching at the door of our soul, we need to slam the door, identify it as wicked, and energetically reject it. You know, I don't know if you recognize that quotation, but that's from uh, the first, I think it's Genesis 4 or 5, where Cain, so Cain and Abel, remember the first children of Adam and Eve, uh, have a fight, and Cain hits. kills Abel, and God speaks to him directly and says, do not give in to the sin that's crouching at your door. It's that example of an unclean uh, beast or animal that's waiting to spring uh, when we are at our weakest. So slam the door. Ignatius of Loyola tells us that discouragement is never of the Lord because it clouds faith and hope and is therefore always to be resisted. Let's repeat that. We need to resist despair and discouragement. Despair, discouragement, and fear are never of the Lord. So always resist it. I think that's important. It's very, very, very important. So we need to know that, um, that there is hope, right? Right that whether it be wicked, anger, hatred, unforgiveness, temptations against chastity, giving into lying, becoming a captive to money and greed, envy or jealousy, giving into discouragement or despair, we should beg the Lord for the grace to both recognize these things when they rear their ugly heads and to vigorously promptly reject them. So how do we do that? We join the resistance and by joining the resistance, we stand, right? We stand steadfast in the faith. So, to kind of sum up what we've been talking about in this series, first of all, we need to, you know, identify the fact that there is a problem, right? That there are problems in our society. There probably no no greater nor lesser than society's problems in the past, but that doesn't matter really because these are our problems today. We need to deal with them, right? And so, how do we deal with them? Well, we need to make sure that the original rebellion that occurred in heaven, that's detailed in Revelation 12, the the war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the the dragon and his angels were defeated. Where'd they go? To Mars? No, they went to earth. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Important point, because at that point, at original sin, Satan was given the keys. He was just given the keys to the world, and that's why Jesus identifies him as the prince of this world. But our consolation is, like it says in 1 John, greater is he who is within me, the Holy Spirit, than he who is in the world. Why do you think Satan is identified as he who is in the world? Well, because he was given the keys, and he was thrown down to earth after he lost the cosmic battle with matthew as it's detailed in revelation 12 so the subsequent rebellion of the human race gave an opening for satan and the fallen angels to subject human race to demonic domination so i guess that's that's why we have um exorcism as part of baptismal rite. you know um and you know i've prepared people for baptism i've taught um clergy on and and it's interesting to see people's reaction when they first understand that there are some minor exorcisms in the rite of baptism because the first impetus is, well, wait a minute, those poor little innocent babies, really, I mean, what are we doing here? And or even people who come as adults for baptism, why wasn't that a bit of a nervous reaction? Well, no, not really, because the human race is subject to the prince of this world until it receives salvation through baptism. And the impartation of the Holy Spirit—that's a very important point. I admit, and it's missed by a lot of people, especially the people who have their head in sand and think that they go around thinking people are all inherently good. People, have you heard that? You know, it's every Disney movie is—is is that there's that that premise? Everybody is inherently good, and they're just messed up by other people and by circumstances of the world or a bad childhood. Yes, the bad childhood can mess you up, but for the most part. Uh, we have an evil nature. We are subject to the dominion of Satan until we receive the salvation that God has brought into the world through his son, Jesus Christ. Very important point. And a lot of people miss it because a lot of people go around saying, I don't need salvation. You know, I'm fine. So unless, and that's, you know they don't really recognize bad news they don't think that they need to be saved so if you don't think you need to be saved you don't know that there's any bad news so therefore when somebody comes to give you good news you're like well wow well, you know what do i care unless you know the bad news you'll never recognize the good news That's a very important point to understand that we are in a spiritual battle and that that's just the way it goes. And if you've seen that the degree, especially in the past several centuries, the degree to which Christ has liberated nations and peoples through successful evangelization has been diminishing, right? Vast numbers of people who had formerly claimed to be for Christ through baptism are repudiating their faith and opening themselves up to demonic deceptions and evil, becoming, in the shocking words of sacred scripture, children of the devil, to quote First John 3.10. Whole countries which previously honored the Ten Commandments and her Christian faith and embody many of its provisions in law and culture have decisively repudiated the faith. I mean, just remember that whole fracas, and we talked about it in a podcast at the time, when the European Union was writing its constitution and they chose to leave the Christian roots of Europe out of the document, out of the historical document, which... Is stupid and blind, and uh, blind to history, blind to anything that hasn't happened up until about sixty years ago, right? So I don't know if that's the way to write history. Uh, it certainly isn't the way to form a constitution of nations who owe their very own existence, really, to uh, the work of Christendom. So, and we we've seen kind of an apostasy not only in society but also in the church and in the culture. I mean, what do we see? What is a woke culture? Uh, It's a collection of political, social, and economic beliefs that insist on a post-Christian secular culture. And why? Well, here's the giveaway. (laughs) It embraces abortion, the LGBTQ agenda, various forms of socialism. What else is Occupy Wall Street or all the various episodes of anarchy that we've seen in the past two years in Portland and other places, right? That's socialism. Government control would be like the uh, exaggerated opposition, to, uh, opposite reaction to that. And some st- sometimes specifically calling for world government. Yeah, If we're just like everybody and we're a, we're a brotherhood of nations, but there's no fatherhood of God, as Fulton Sheen used to put, you know, the brotherhood of man without the fatherhood of God. How are we brothers if we don't have a common father? Think about that, Right. It also includes something like a new version of class warfare based on racial identity, dividing the world into oppressors and the oppressed. And so you have the white guilt. You know, I have to feel guilty because of what my ancestors did, um, which really is not God's plan for humanity. God's plan for humanity is the brotherhood of men and women under the fatherhood of God, under which there are no distinctions uh, for uh, race or gender. Okay. That's, that's the main point. So I think it's, it's important to understand that mounting a level of resistance to the things that we see that are wrong is important. And you can actually mount a level of resistance through prayer, but you can also mount a level of resistance through your witness through your witness to society. Okay. So it takes prayer. It takes courage. It takes wisdom. It takes insight and it takes trust in the Holy spirit. Remember that, uh, the gift of discernment is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit as set out in 1 Corinthians 12. Okay. So we need to go ahead and pray that the Lord will give us all the equipment that we need. Let's join the resistance. Let's help each other resist and stand steadfast in the faith. Um, let me just a parting suggestion. Just go to Ephesians 6, uh, verse 10 and following and underline it. Just go crazy with your yellow highlighter or your red pen or whatever, and just underline how many times it says stand or withstand and also the elements of the armor of God, which are also very important. I think that will help us. Thank you for joining us.